Welcome to Peterson's Bowhunting Radio, presented by Easton's new Ultra Micro Diameter Injection Arrows. Injection utilizes the new Deep Six standard for more big game penetration than ever before. Learn more about the injection today at www.eastonarchery.com. Now here's your host of Peterson's Bowhunting Radio, Editor Christian Byrne. All right, welcome back to Peterson's Bowhunting Radio. We are the voice of bowhunting, and as always, we're glad that you've taken some time to be with us today, uh, celebrate the sport, and uh, hopefully maybe do a little thinking about spring. If uh, if you're listening to this uh, anywhere in the northeastern uh, quarter of the country, it's been a long, cold winter. Uh, turkey season can't get here fast enough. Um, and I know that uh, at least one of my guests today feels the same way. Apparently the other one is a fan of winter, but that's because he grew up in Florida. So uh, he, uh, he hasn't suffered enough. I've got uh, uh, on the line with us today, uh, Daniel Lee Martin and Julie McQueen. Daniel and Julie Lee are uh, husband and wife, uh, co-hosts of Brotherhood Outdoors on the Sportsman Channel. Um, guys, welcome to Peterson's Bowhunting Radio. Good morning. <laughs> good morning, Christian. How you doing? Good, good. Uh, I know you guys are down in Nashville. I guess you just had an ice storm yesterday, and uh, Daniel Lee, you were trying to tell me like you think that's good stuff. I, I I'm demented. I, uh, I I was dropped on my head as a kid. I love winter. I love fall. I love the whole change. We spent most of the day out yesterday with the neighborhood kids dragging them around on sleds uh, with our Yamaha Rhino driving through the streets of Spring Hill. So we 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 were taking advantage of it for sure. Well, good. So you're you're demented, and Julie and I are ready for turkey season. That's right. Yes, I I am a huge fan of turkey season, mostly because it starts warming up for us around that time. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. Hey, I'll hunt turkeys. I'll hunt turkeys in the snow. I don't care if it's. I don't care what the temperature is. I too am a huge fan of uh, turkey season. Um, well, listen. Um, you guys, like I said, uh, co-hosts of Brotherhood Outdoors is currently airing on Sportsman Channel. You guys are on first and second quarter, so we'll be able to sh- see your show uh, through the middle of uh, 2015. Tell the folks uh, who may not be interested real briefly, uh, what's Brotherhood Outdoors? What's the focus of your show? And uh, when can I tune in? Uh, <laughs> well, Julie's usually the one that handles this. Um yeah, we air on Sportsman Channel. Our uh, primetime spot is Sunday morning at 11 a.m. Eastern Time. Um, we switched that spot a few years back from Thursday night to Sunday morning, and it's been a really great change for us. We have a, just seems like our viewership just continues to grow and grow and grow. Um, the show is uh, based around hardworking family union members. Uh, the Union Sportsman's Alliance, which is based here in Nashville, Tennessee, is basically our parent company. They're the ones that make all of this happen, and, and Julie and I are the co-hosts, and our production company, Backstage and Backroads Productions, handles all the production work of of the show. And i got to tell you, it's, it's one of the only true storytelling, I believe, uh, shows on outdoor television right now. It's uh, Each week we have a different guest, um, that guest is a deserving uh, individual, you know, on the family side, the conservation side, the union side, and and we highlight these guys and kind of show the the, the world what they're made of and their passions, uh, whether it's fishing or hunting in the outdoors. 
So yeah. you guys are taking pipe fitters and electricians and, I mean, you tell me. You're, you're, and how are you finding these guys and, well, and, and girls? <laughs> it's funny. It's actually an application process. So when people write in um, and fill out an application, those actually come directly to me to my email um, in my inbox, and I go through every one of them, along with our, our people over at the, the Union Sportsman's Alliance. They go through them also. But we go through, we read the stories, and we choose uh, who we feel would be a deserving person to go on these trips with us. So um, kind of a kind of a fun way to, to do it because we actually get to pick who we go hunting or fishing with. So kind of cool. And so... Um... Tell me about maybe one or two of the most memorable folks or experiences you've had, because this has got to be a bit of a crazy experience, because truly, I mean, yeah, you've got the application, and you've done a little bit of research, you, you know, maybe you've talked to these folks on the phone, but, I mean, you don't really know what you're getting into when you take a stranger and head out to an uh, outdoor adventure, yeah, it's it's true. You know, we, we do our best to kind of um, get to know them through the application. I actually have them send in a video application also um, before we, we take them. And uh, we've had some memorable ones. We've, um, we've met some people by doing this who have remained close friends and, like, family to us. Um, you know, one of, the, one of the most memorable, maybe because it was the first uh, episode we ever filmed, for brotherhood. Um, we took a, a guy named Leroy down to the, the Florida Keys to go fishing. He's a bass fisherman from Missouri who had never fished in saltwater, and he was uh, over 60 years old. So we took him down there and fished him for three days <laughs> and wore him out and gave him the, the time of his life. And I think it really changed his world in a lot of ways. You yeah. Know? And, and and we knew he was legit when he said he had never fished saltwater because he said, I, I have never fished in the ocean. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so you kind of know that, that yeah. he, he, he really hasn't. And he said one time he got to look at, uh, at, I think it was the Gulf of Mexico on a pier for like five minutes on a trip or something. That yeah. said he's and that's, yeah. that's gone back, I think that's four seasons ago on the show. And we still talk to him and think about him. And, and we get to do that literally all the time. We take these people on these amazing, life-changing trips, and we document it, and then we air it, and, and we every, tell their stories. And everybody has a different story, and that's the beauty of, of the show, is that if, you know, you're watching an original uh, airing of Brotherhood Outdoors, and it's going to be a brand-new story about a brand-new individual. And, right. uh, yeah, it's a great, great concept. And we are just really honored to be a part of it. And uh, and so you guys are, uh, I know you've been doing this for a few years, and I think I heard that you recently uh, signed an agreement to do uh, another brand new season, right? We did. Yeah, we're pretty excited about that. We just signed on for another season of Brotherhood Outdoors, so it will be our season eight. I believe <laughs> season eight. Yeah, season eight of the show. So, and it's still going strong. You know, the stories keep getting better, and it's gaining popularity. And Daniel and I—I I mean, we devote pretty much our whole lives to it at this point. It's our baby for yeah. sure. So, for sure. so talk to me a little bit about uh, 
the bow hunters that you get on on Brotherhood Outdoors. Obviously, that can be a little bit more challenging when you're going with the bow uh, versus the the rifle. Um, you give like ten bonus points to all the applications for bow hunters, <laughs> yeah. or how does that work? Yeah, it's it's funny you should ask. Um, you know, we Daniel and I love bow hunting. That's our passion in life, and a lot of the applications that we get in. Um, you know, the people will tell us, yeah, I'm a bow hunter. I want to go hunt something with my bow. And we have to be really careful about that because, you know, you keep in mind that not only are, are these not actors, you know, or TV personalities that we're taking, these are just guys or girls who, you know, they might only get to hunt on weekends. So we need to know their skill level ahead of time. And, you know, when we're placing them on a hunt, finding something that fits with them, uh, the difficulty level is something that we have to keep in mind. So, you know, some of the some of the Western hunts, for example, we would have to be really careful about taking a novice, you know, on on that hunt. So. Yeah, yeah, anything, yeah, 50, 60, <laughs> 70 yards are not uncommon for mule deer in Arizona. Yeah, and that happens. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, um have you done Have you done some uh, adventures with people with their bow, and and maybe you had yeah. some successes, maybe you've had some failures, but um, you know that's that's part of bow hunting. You know, I I know a lot of times if you get somebody who's truly a dyed in the wool bow hunter, you know they'll tell you, hey, listen, uh, I really, you know, I'm excited that you chose me. I, I want to do this with my bow, and and I acknowledge the fact that you know there's a chance that we're not going to kill something. And how does that work? You know, maybe that's fine for them, but you're like, well, we're trying to make a TV show here. <laughs> um, you know, how do you balance all that? Yeah, it, it's funny. One comes to mind. We took a guy a couple seasons ago out to Arizona for a mule deer hunt, uh, a western mule deer hunt, um, you know, and we all know how tough those hunts are. And the beauty of it is we tell these people typically months in advance. So now this guy is out there shooting his bow every day, practicing, becoming a better archer, a better hunter in a lot of ways because he's working towards the goal, and the goal is to kill a deer on camera. So, you know, for us it is about getting a good TV show, but it's also about documenting his progress over those months of, you know, we'll interview him and he'll say, I have been shooting my bow literally six days a week, you know, getting in shape, going to the gym. Um, You know, the end result for them is getting their animal. The end result for us is telling their story. So Mm -hmm. kind of, kind of makes it an interesting twist. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, sometimes, you know, we have had people who, so, you know, they say that they, they shoot their bow a lot and maybe they don't, you know, just so they would have the opportunity to come on the show. But that, that's that's all part of the deal, you know. That's yeah. all right. Yeah. Oh, we've had, we've had bow, a lot of bow hunting success stories. We, one of our bow, first bow hunting success stories was Bill Shaver from New York, and we took him bow hunting, but it was a unique bow hunting experience. We were uh, bow fishing for carp up on uh, Peoria Lake in Illinois. Oh, yeah. And... Uh, those crazy flying carp, and so we spent two solid days and one night, you know, uh, uh, just wearing ourselves out. And then we just recently had a, a guest on a, an upcoming episode, uh, Nick McCorder, who um, we had a uh, kind of like a really difficult Alabama muzzleloader whitetail hunt, and we wanted to do a redemption hunt with him, so we took him to East Tennessee on a Russian boar hunt with. And he's an avid archer, and boy, oh boy, his eyes lit up when we took him, and and. Uh, 
it was a successful hunt. I won't give you details because people will have to watch the show to see what happened. But boy, oh boy, what an ending to that show! Cool. That's really cool. So, um, so yeah. So you get a chance to to work the archers in there. And and what about yourselves? Um, you're doing this show, and and you're taking these union folks and trying to focus on you know providing an opportunity for them. Um, do, do you two do a lot of hunting on the show? And, and uh, you know, if not, when do you guys get a chance to, you know, chase your critters? Yeah, it's, it's kind of funny. Um, Daniel and I used to have a, another TV show back before Brotherhood Outdoors came along, and it was focused on us. You know, that was just like every other show out there. It was about us and our hunting adventures. And um, we knew that we were going to have to put that to the side a little bit when we took on Brotherhood Outdoors because this isn't really about us mm-hmm. like the other show was. Um, that being said, we haven't put down our weapons. Um, we still hunt, we shoot. Um, every chance we get, even if it's not on camera or not for the TV show, we're out there. Um, you know, just just like anybody who doesn't have a TV show, you know, when you're not working, you're out there in the field, you're, you're hunting something or you're fishing for something. So we both, um, we both shoot our bows all the time. We're very avid, avid bow hunters. Um, but it doesn't always happen where we can hunt the animal. Sometimes we go on the hunts and we're not the ones that get to pull the trigger. So yeah. Yeah. We just got our brand new Matthews bows in for this season and we're really excited about, uh, we've got these things set up and we're, we are waiting for a little a break in the weather so we can go out and start shooting. So <laughs> as much as I like cold, I don't mind it warming up just a little bit so we can go out and start practicing for, you know, yeah. turkey season. I mean, we both love bow hunting for turkeys oh, yeah. during the spring. That's one of, one of our passions. Yeah, right. and we, we actually shoot um, in our backyard, and we've been introducing a lot of the neighborhood kids to um, – to archery because they see us out there shooting our bows and of course it looks really cool so they all come out and a lot of them yeah. have, their parents have got them little bows and they come shoot the 3d range in our backyard and mm-hmm. it's it's kind of cool you know it's it's a neat way to introduce some more kids to the the sport oh absolutely and and uh of course archery's been getting a real surge in popularity the last few years to, between all the movies and uh the, yeah. the Olympics and all that. I mean, it's uh, it's been great to see so many new people coming to the sport and just enjoying, like you say, just enjoying the opportunity to get out and shoot. And, um, you know, a lot of those people may never go bow hunting, and that's fine. Um, you know, it uh, just uh, gives them an opportunity to experience a great sport, and, and some of them can, you know, take it uh, further, whether it be into competition, into bow hunting. Uh, but even for the kids who don't, you know, it's just, uh, it's great to see him do that. And, you know, just have an understanding of, uh, you know, people who like to, to shoot uh, recreationally, you know, that it's a good thing. So that's certainly, uh, I think that's a positive for uh, for all of us. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, yeah. So, so so let's transition a little bit to um, this whole uh you know, it's interesting. I, I don't know, you know, exactly how old you guys are. I had a chance to meet you face-to-face. I mean, you're relatively young uh, by, you know, in the grand scheme of things. Talking about this whole husband and <laughs> wife thing, because uh, it was interesting. I um, I organize a deer hunter's banquet at my church every year, and we just had it uh, 
last Friday, and I had Ralph and Vicky as our guest speakers. And of course, everyone knows Ralph and Vicky, and they were probably, I don't know if they were the very first, but certainly they've one of the first husband and wife, you know, duos to come onto the scene in, uh, in hunting television and just uh, uh, really have built a name for themselves. They've been, you know, extremely successful, wonderful people. Uh, you've probably had a chance to meet them yourselves. And, and so this has been, you know, like 20 years that they've been at it. And of course, there's been a lot of other husband and wife teams that have come along and maybe to the point where it's like, um, you know, people think, oh, it's another, you know, it's almost like another thing, uh, another one. You know, how have you guys found that dynamic of, of working together? Uh, you're both, you know, accomplished in your own rights. But as a team, you know, what kind of a reception do you get? Do you feel like you know, you've got certain expectations or people are viewing you a certain way because of all these other people that have come before you and how do you sort of carve out your own identities out there? Yeah, um, very good question because we do actually hear a lot about that pretty often. Um, the I think the thing with us is we both had our own identities before we became the husband and wife couple on TV. Um, people knew us independently and we were both, you know, pretty successful in our own right. Um, and I, I think the thing that sets us apart and Daniel, you can either agree or, or not here, but we, we don't do the competition thing. We don't, uh, we don't sit and talk about who shot the bigger deer or how many turkeys he's killed compared to me, um, who caught more fish. We don't really do that. we, um, we focus on lifting each other up, doing a positive, um, positive energy type of thing. So he'll call a turkey in for me, and he'll never complain once that he didn't get his bird that day because he called one in for me instead. Yeah. And, you know, I think that people need to see that. I think that um, when you say you're a team, you have to really live that. And even when the cameras aren't on and nobody else is around, that's how we function. You know, we run a company together, and our offices are connected, and we obviously were married, and we travel 250 days out of the year together to, to do this thing. So Yeah. It, well, too, it's, it's no secret that this is a male-driven uh, industry. Uh, it has been for a long time, and thank goodness we're seeing more and more females come into it and more females getting, getting involved because I think it's really important how wonderful is it to you know to be able to take your your significant on 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 a trip over the weekend to experience something like the outdoors? Um, you know that that is the one thing. Being that as a male driven um, industry in television, it always seems like <laughs> there's always a peeing contest involved. If I can say that, you know, there's always that two guys. My buck was bigger. No, it wasn't. Yes, it was. And I think that that's branched off even into the husband and wife because they feel like when in Rome do as the Romans do, and they feel like that's how they have to be in order to fit in that mold. There's been very few husband and wife teams that have been very supportive, and that's exactly who we are and what we do. And it's not it's not something that's scripted. It's by nature. Julie and I are very supportive of each other, and, and uh, you know, there's no I in team, and, and we really, really... Um, listen, I think one of the reasons why there is a surge right now with um, what we're doing is because what you see on TV is exactly who we are. That's the one thing. that you, If you've met any of our, our guests on Brotherhood, they'll say, oh, my God, these two are just, 
so down to earth. They're like exactly who you want to meet, you know, the people next door. And that's exactly who we are. And I think that that all those ingredients um, are really coming together. I think yeah. that, that, you know, people are really getting it and they're really liking, they're seeing that change. So if you're asking what sets us apart, I think, um, you know, there's, there's that support system that Julie and I have with each other. Yeah, and a really good example is um, if, you, if you came into our house, I mean, obviously it's filled with just beautiful taxidermy animals everywhere. And when people come in and they see the animals in our house, it's never, oh, this is my, um, my Impala. This is my stag. That's his elk. It's all ours. You know, we worked on these hunts together. I might not have pulled the trigger, but I was probably behind the camera and vice versa. So, you know, even, even when it comes down to that, you know, the trophy at the end of it, it's both of ours because mm-hmm. we just work, we work 100% together on everything that we do. Absolutely. So, yeah. Hey, and Christian, just so you know, uh, there's about 35 mounts in our house, and everyone except three were taken with a bow. <laughs> All right, just so you, so you, know. you got some street cred, right? Oh, yeah, man. Well, <laughs> you know, you guys, I think Julie had mentioned... Uh, and, and I, I've been remiss uh, for not getting into this at all before now, you know, that you guys were both sort of, um, you know, known commodities before you got together. And um, so, I, I, you know, I really ought to ask about that because I, I know a little bit, probably not nearly as much as I should. And, and a lot of the people who are listening to the show probably don't have any idea Um Daniel Lee, you were a full-time musician before you got into this, right? Uh, can you tell us a little bit yeah. about a little bit about that, and maybe what you're still doing in music, if anything? Yeah, yeah. No, I'll give you the Cliff Notes version. That's uh, it's, I, it's, I love Cliff I, Notes, yeah. man. You remember those? You know, kids. By the way, just as an aside, kids don't even need Cliff Notes anymore. I think it's like all on Wikipedia now. Uh, you remember yeah. when we actually would go out and buy the Cliff Notes, and it had that yellow and black covers? Yeah, oh, cliff notes. Yeah. You'd, you'd like go to the mall and, and buy your cliff notes on Romeo and Juliet, so you didn't have to actually read the book. Christian, that's a very good point. I'm going to start being a little more up to date. I'm going to give you the Wikipedia version <laughs> <laughs> of my story. Uh, yeah, I moved to the National in '97, June of 1997, to pursue uh, a career in music. I I was uh, a picker and a singer and a songwriter and. Moved up here on a wing and a prayer. I left everything I had back in Florida and came up here. And um, it was a lot of hard work, man. A lot of late hours. A lot of playing down at Tootsie's and uh, Second Fiddle on Broadway. I uh, ended up signing a record deal in 2003. Came out with my first album uh, in 2004 called All That I Am. And uh, it was on an independent label, which at the time was something that was just kind of starting up. You know, we had Broken Bow Records, we had Clint Black's Equity Records that was just starting to pop up, and indie labels were starting to become a, an interesting concept. Well, our label, Chin Music Records, was one of those, and it was highlighted everywhere, from the CMA to the ACMs to Country Music, you know, week, uh, Country Weekly, to just, you name it. And big success. I mean, um, we had three singles off of there. Uh, one of them went to number 12. Uh, which was a song I wrote called "I Can't Let Go," and uh, we it, it was a it was a blast. And then in 2007, released our second album, "On My Way to You," um, and it was interesting because right at the same time as when uh, I signed my first television deal with Sportsman Channel, and that was backstage and back roads 
uh, you know, a show about music and television. So it was really interesting being at the right place at the right time and how it transitioned my life from being a creative in the music industry to becoming a creative in the in television. And uh, music is still great, man. We just we played a, not too long ago at the Mule Deer Foundation event out in uh, Salt Lake City. We uh, headlined one of the three-night shows. It was myself one night, Craig Morgan the next night, and then Jeff Foxworthy. And rumor has it that we're going to be going back and doing that show again next year. But we do a ton of concerts throughout the year, whether they're acoustic or full band, man. It's just, the music is still alive. I'm, I've been contemplating and threatening to do a new album for the last couple of years, and it seems like television keeps getting in the way of it, but in a good way. You know, it's not like it's 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 a bad thing that I have to do it and it takes away, but we're we're really trying to make this thing happen. We've had a lot of demand, and um, it was a it was a great run. I I loved I loved it in the at the peak of music, it was it was everything I've I've ever dreamed of, and uh, don't regret any of it. And and we're still you listen, you never you never lose music, you really don't. You're always going to play music, and that's that's kind of the attitude that I take, and I'll always take. So, yeah, and, uh, we don't inco- yeah we don't incorporate a lot of music into the new show Brotherhood because it's not about us, you know, it's about our guests. If if our guests want us to pick the guitar up and play a couple songs. You know, I'll certainly do that, but we, you know, we just try not to highlight too much of it on the show. Yeah, yeah. Uh, just one question out of the out of the blue here, out of left field. I gotta ask it. Chin Music Records, man. What do you have? Like Nolan Ryan, like backing that thing behind the scenes, or what? Very <laughs> impressive. I I'm very impressed. Well, I can't believe you caught that. <laughs> no, I mean I don't know if it's Nolan Ryan, but I'm thinking Chin Music. It's got to be some baseball guy like involved with this thing. Well, there's a number of uh, baseball players. I'll give you a, a couple right off. Uh, Todd Stottlemyre. Oh, oh, yeah. I don't know if you remember Todd. Yeah, Todd his, his, his dad was a pitching coach for many, many years. Mel Stottlemyre. Yeah, absolutely. Mel and Todd pitched yeah. for, I guess, on quite a number of teams, yeah. Toronto and uh, the Diamondbacks. And, uh, yeah, Todd is a dear friend. And uh, Bronson Arroyo, who uh, Oh, yeah, Bronson the- likes to pick the guitar. Well, if you my second album, I do a duet with Bronson uh, on the album called uh, "Keep Your Hands to Yourself," which is you know "Keep Your Hands to Yourself," which has been done a gazillion times. Um, so yeah, Bronson was one of the partners, and uh, another dear friend of mine, Daryl Knowles, who was a uh, seven-time World Series ring holder. He was uh, three as a player and four as a coach. So yeah, Chin Music Records, man. I'm so glad you caught that. Well, I'm a big, this never came up before when we met at, at Chacho Show or anything. I'm a huge baseball fan. Big, big, big. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, I, I picked right up on that, and uh, uh, that's pretty cool, man. That's pretty cool. I'm a big yeah. Red Sox. I actually grew up in Rhode Island, native New Englander, big Red Sox fan. Bronson came up with the Red Sox, and, of course, we, we uh, traded him pretty early in his career, and he went on to do some, some really good things elsewhere. But, uh, yeah, absolutely. Well, he- that's cool. Yeah, he did when he first when he was his first year there. You guys won the series, World Series. Okay. Um, awesome. Yeah, yeah two thousand four. Yeah, it was him. It wasn't it wasn't Pedro or Manny or anything. I remember that Bronson was like our our key. Now <laughs> that's pretty awesome, man. I didn't I didn't even remember he would he was a young player at that time for sure. That uh, I'm glad he got got that first ring with us though. That's cool. Yeah. yeah. Awesome. Yeah, awesome. That's awesome. So there's my story. Well, that's a good story, man. I we worked some. Anytime you know, you saw me just light up, man. Anytime we can work a little baseball <laughs> into it, all of a sudden it's getting interesting. So, so, yeah. so, so, 
Absolutely. Yeah. How can how are you going to top that? Now we just kind of like went over to Daniel Lee's background. Now, what do you got for me? Oh man, I can't even compete. You know, he's done so many awesome things, and I mean, I've had a I had a pretty cool couple careers also beforehand. But you're not old you know, enough the, to be on your third career already. I. <laughs> 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 yeah, pretty much. Yeah, I, I kind of got started with my career past young. Um, yeah, so I I kind of made a, a name for myself in a couple different uh, industries. Um, I worked overseas a lot. I worked in the fashion industry for quite a few years, and um, and that was good. That was a good way to see the world for sure. So you what, know, so but, what were you doing um, in fashion? Uh, I worked. Uh, oh, she's uh, she's being modest. <laughs> yeah, don't she let was, her be modest, Daniel. I mean, uh, spill the beans. I'm telling you, yeah. She Julie was uh, modeled over um, in Europe and overseas for years and years, and and uh, I'm so proud of her for what she did over there. And and when we first started dating, she was she was still doing it, and then uh, then one day she retired, and I was sad <laughs> for the loss of income, but but it but she, you know that enabled her to to be a part of this whole, you know, television, you know, thing that we do. But no, she's being very, very, very modest. She did that for seven, eight years and, and made a name for herself. And that, that, and, um, you know, on that, I always say, you know, put, put our photos side by side and that'll give you a great indication of, of Julie's talent. <laughs> well, you know, I, I, I didn't want to say anything, um, but since you brought up the whole modeling and everything, I mean, it's probably a reasonable thing to note that, like, if you go to Google and, and type in Julie McQueen, she, I mean, she's not an unattractive woman, right, Daniel? <laughs> uh, she's gross. Yeah. <laughs> okay, okay. So, you know, she's blushing. I can hear it even over the phone. I can hear the blush. Yeah, a little. Um, so, so, okay, so, so you did the modeling, and then um, – and what do you have like another secret career we didn't know about too before you got into the TV or? or... Okay, she won't tell you. I got to tell you the things about Jules. She is uh, Julie has her uh, degree in psychology. Um, she is a very smart young lady. She's uh, also has her pilot's license. So um, if we could afford a plane, we'd have one. But she's got her <laughs> pilot's license. She's just so gifted in so many ways, and I'm saying this not just be a microphone hog because she won't do it. I have to, I have You're to brag on her. Yeah. I, I decided to take a, a couple more adventurous paths, um, you know, in my younger years. So yeah, I did the modeling thing for a long time. And then I decided, uh, one day that it was a really good idea to become a professional poker player. Um, which <laughs> that's always a hard one to sell to your parents, you know, like, Hey mom, guess what I'm going to do with my life. So, I actually well, it kind did of that depends, like, if you're winning or you're losing. I mean, I would think if you're winning, right? Dad is like, hey, man, that's a great career choice. And if you're losing, he's right? not so behind you. <laughs> that's right. Yeah, and fortunately, I did really well at it. I actually succeeded, and then I kind of got tired of the lifestyle. It was just a decision based on the lifestyle. So I so wait, quit wait, that. Were you on ESPN, like the World Poker Tour or whatever it is? I did. I played the World Series uh, for four years. And actually did really well. Um, so what was your it. nickname? What was your nickname? You've got to have a cool nickname if you're on that. Seriously, what was your nickname? I really don't think I had one. I, I don't think, if I had a nickname, I never heard about it. 
I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Okay. Now all you right. got me. And I go Google myself. <laughs> I, I was I was just trying to think of something clever, but poker it didn't it didn't work. You were going to edit it out. So I, 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 I do have a ser- I have a serious question. Though. Now this is serious. This is dead serious. So okay. give me some analogies between like you know having a big buck or bull coming in like 40 yards and closing and like you're sitting on a giant pot and you know that maybe like you're bluffing or something i mean is there any parallels there between managing your stress level and and all that and and being like cool under pressure christian it's so funny you say that i wrote a a blog that i never published i wrote it about two weeks ago and uh, that is exactly what I was focusing on. Seriously, um, there, there is a definite parallel there because in poker, see, I didn't just show up and play the game. I studied it, and I, I studied my opponents. I would actually take a notepad, and I would write down people's tells. You know, I can tell if someone's breathing a little heavier or, if, you know, you can see the little vein so in their actually, neck. So you were actually doing poker film study. Oh, yeah, basically, yeah. Yes. so it's not like, you know, it's not like just like the Patriots and the Seahawks doing film study. I mean, Julie's watching to see, like, when the the vein in my neck pops out, she knows I got right. a squat. Yeah, and if you get a little flush in your cheeks, I'm going to write that down, you know. I've got a notepad somewhere with some pretty epic notes in it about people, and and it's the same thing. I study the game. You know, if a, if a white tail flags, you know, I'm going to sit there and think, well, have I seen it do that before? Is it scared or is it comfortable? You know, there's a lot of parallels there where you can read your opponent and kind of study the situation. And sometimes you have to just bank on it and go all in and say, well, you know, screw it. I'm going to, I'm going to rush the field and see if I can get there before the deer's gone. So, you know, it's, um, it's interesting because a lot of the, the skills that I, I picked up in my poker days, I do use them now. You know, I study, uh, my opponent, which is usually some type of animal, and um, patience is a virtue for sure. You know, I had to sit for sometimes 12 hours at these tables playing boring tournaments just to get down to a final table. So, you know, there's a, there's a lot of ways you could compare the two and go, <laughs> hey, yeah, no, I totally see that now. One's a card game. One is, you know, the, the heritage of, of hunting. They sound totally different, but when you look at them side by side, uh, okay, so now you've convinced me. I've got to publish that article that I wrote. <laughs> well, I mean, when you think about it, right, it's bow hunting or or gambling. It's a game of uh, controlled risk or calculated risk, you know? Absolutely. I, I actually wrote an article that was back in our October issue called Press Your Luck for Bucks, Bow Hunt with a Gambler's Mentality. And basically what I'm talking about is, you know, in deer hunting, I think that we all get um, – we all get beat over the head with conventional wisdom, okay? There's all these so-called rules. You know, you never never hunt any stand when the wind is wrong. Never, um, you know, intentionally bump a deer, you know, on your way in or out. Or, you know, we could, we could throw out all these so-called rules. And my point is, in the article, is not, you know, there's nothing wrong with any of those those rules because they are based on, you know, some good solid logic and wisdom but there are just situations where if you're not willing to break some of those rules you're not going to get it done and you have to be able to read your situation and you know what when when you have more to gain than lose by breaking the rules it's okay to break them 
because absolutely, and, yeah. and that's kind of what that was all about. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and even when you think about it, you know, in, in poker, we call it slow playing. If I have a really good hand and I know that you've got a mediocre hand, I'm going to slow play it so I get all of your money in the pot before I show you what I've got, right? Mm-hmm. So, I mean, think about turkey season. We slow roll those turkeys all the time. You tease them with a little putt and a little purr here and there and then shut up for a while and pretty soon all their money's in the pot and they're standing 20 yards out and then there's your ticket. Yeah, so, that happened last year. Yeah, you know, so we we do take a lot of the same... Uh, same analogies, you know, and cross them over. Or like, um, you know, one of the things that I talked about is like, you know, if you're hunting at home, let's say, okay, you and Daniel Lee probably have some good areas to hunt when you, you know, when you have a chance to be home close by. And so you're not going to go on opening day of deer season there in Tennessee and go like right into your best bedding area to your super hot stand because, why would you do that? I mean, it's, you don't need to take that kind of risk on opening day, but if you're hunting on a, you guys are doing a TV hunt in Illinois and you only have five days a year on that property and the first two and a half days were slow, all of a sudden you're going to say, you know what, we're going to go nuts for the next two and a half days and like do whatever it takes to get it done because it doesn't really matter if we screw a couple of things up because we're not going to be back in those trees for at least a year. You know, right. <laughs> so yeah, right. absolutely. Yeah. As, as we would say, that's the difference in a cash game and a tournament. <laughs> there you go. So this is yeah. pretty cool. I mean, we stumbled onto some serious hunting philosophy here through the world of uh, World Series of Poker. <laughs> I love it. That's so true. You, yeah. you just never know. That's why you got to listen to all these every minute of these episodes, guys. You know, people might think, "Oh, they started a little slow." No, no. The, there's golden nuggets for those who persevere. <laughs> exactly. Right. And if anybody wants to play a poker games, just uh, let me know. Well, <laughs> nobody ever plays anymore. I, I haven't played in, I, in a long time. Listen games. now that now that we know this about you. Okay, the next time we're together at a show somewhere we are going to sit up we're all going to get together at the hotel lounge and we're going to play as long as we're playing for like candy corns or something like that right okay because i can't afford to lose everything to you right yeah i'd go for that for sure all right well i'm bringing the candy corn and you bring the cards okay you got it. Well, that's a deal. <laughs> um, all right, so uh, let's let's kind of move into the third and, and final stage of the interview here. I, I wanted to talk um, specifically a little bit more, sticking on the, the Julie thing. You see how everything's kind of rolling better, by the way, with Julie, Daniel Lee. Like, your yeah. stuff was interesting, but now I'm getting, like, good hunting knowledge, and she's really starting to come out of her shell here. You've, you've pumped her up. Um <laughs> You have had an opportunity to really um, start building a brand of your own with kind of connecting with women and hunting. And I know we touched on that a while ago, like Daniel Lee was saying, is, you know, how good it is to see how many more women are coming into the sport. And like I know in bow hunting, you know, women are definitely the fastest growing segment of the bow hunting community. I think um, 
I think it was you guys. Was it you guys when we met at Shot who who threw a statistic at me? And, and I can't remember what the actual numbers are, but it was something like you know when when like the the man of the house hunts, you know, there's like a twenty percent chance that like all the other people in the family are going to become hunters, but if like the mom in the house hunts, it's like eighty percent. It was something crazy like that. Like the the woman, the mom in the house, she she has so much more influence over everybody. Uh, necessarily than the dad or maybe it's just that if mom and dad are both doing it it's like an unstoppable force like it's so good for the future of our sport Uh, I'm just rambling so I'm going to let you talk Julie but talk to me a little bit about how this kind of started to grow for you because I don't I don't think from our conversation that you necessarily got into doing this with Daniel as a as a way to become, you know, like a, an icon uh, or role model for women hunters, but it's kind of evolved like that, hasn't it? It has, yeah. And, and I did not get into hunting with Daniel Lee. That just happened to be something we had in common oh, already. Gotcha, gotcha. Um, yeah, I, um, I, I did not grow up in a hunting household. And, you know, my parents, both of them, they're awesome. They're Army veterans, very into firearms. Um, I was trained at a young age, you know, how to handle, clean, you know, shoot firearms. Um, That was a blessing, and it's something that I've taken into my life now, for sure, because, I mean, I can clean any gun out there. Um, If my mom had been a hunter when I was a little girl, I most certainly would have picked it up sooner, which would have been, you know, much better for me. Um, unfortunately, you know, I just had to kind of figure it out on my own. One of, one of my dad's favorite stories is, um, when I turned 16, I asked him for a shotgun instead of a car. And that was kind of when I was starting to say, you know, I need to, I need to figure this out. I have this urge to go out into the woods and to shoot stuff and to, you know, I want to learn how to clean the animals. And I see a lot of little girls, especially little girls who, I can see that same fire inside of them. They want to know how to do things, but I think some of them might be timid. You know, maybe the kids at school are giving them a hard time or, you know, whatever it might be. So for me, to actually come from a situation where I had to be self-taught, I think it gives me a little bit more empathy for them. You know, I... If I could, I would take every single one of them under my wing and take them out with me everywhere I go. But unfortunately, that's just not possible. So the most that we can do is to be a good role model and to maybe encourage the parents, you know, to get into it with the kids at the same time if they're not already. Um, you know, it's it's a snowball effect. You know, if, if one, little, one little girl in the household, even if it's not the mom, I think... I think that you could take that statistic and move it around a little bit and say, you know, if a kid, a 12-year-old girl decides she wants to take up shooting, the likelihood of the parents getting into it as well is whatever percent. Um, One person in any household can change the entire dynamic, especially in a a sport like this one. So, yeah, I, you know, I'm proud that so many people reach out to me on a daily basis um, encouraging me to encourage others. I think that that's, that's kind of the, the main goal these days is to just keep that positive spin on this industry with little girls and with kids and also with women in, in general. It's not just little girls. Um, a lot of the girls who reach out to me, they're in their 20s, 
some are in their 30s, and they're just now picking up a gun for the first time. And I think it's it's one of the, the coolest things in the world that they actually reach out to me to tell me about it. Now, you have a couple things specifically that you're involved with where people can connect with you, right? I mean, other than just the TV show, you're doing some some online things, some video things. Um, talk to mm-hmm. me a little bit about, about what, you, what you've got going, where people can maybe, uh, women specifically maybe, that are wanting to connect with you or see what you have going can, can look. Yeah. Um, well, one thing, I, I love social media now. I used to be very anti-social media. I saw a lot of bad things that could happen with it. Um, but at this point, it's a very positive thing for a lot of us. Um, my Instagram account, for example, is a fantastic way for people to connect with me. And I answer every single person who writes to me on Instagram, as long as it's within reason. You know, some of them are silly, so I don't, I don't get back to those. But um, the, the people who genuinely reach out to me through Instagram or Facebook, my blog, uh, JulesMcQueen.com. Um, I take the time every single day, and I try to respond to the people who have reached out to me in those ways. So they might see me on the TV show, but the television isn't a, a valid way to reach out to a person. Um, I think that social media, in in the name itself, you know, it's it's a way to be social with other people in the world, and and um, it's been a real blessing in a lot of ways. Well, that's great. Um, you know, it uh, it's definitely um, the the thing that I appreciate about both of you is, um, you know, like you say, you're you're both down to earth um, and just very not. Um, how can I say this? You're you're very professional. You know, very well spoken very good ambassadors to the sport and um but not in a way that's unrelatable you know like when i think about it you know you're not redneck but you know rednecks can relate to you you know people everybody can relate to you but you you just um i see a a, a, an inner confidence in in both of you and just a, a kind of a joy and a passion that comes through you know uh very very approachable smiles on your faces gleams in your eye i think that you guys have found uh the right place for for where you're supposed to be at this season of your life so happy to see the success that's come your way and and i wish you you know all the best for the new season and and whatever the future holds for you too wow we appreciate that and and i think the reason that comes across is it's genuine i mean we really are happy and we we're living our dream job i mean it's incredible the things that we get to do and the places we go and the people we meet so um i hope we never lose that or lose sight of that you know it we were at the nwtf convention a couple days ago last saturday and and we met some of the nicest people in the world and they come up to see us and that still impresses me that people actually want to come meet us because in our minds we're the ones who want to meet them. You know, we hear their stories and we're inspired by these people who who are fantastic hunters and they can probably call turkeys better than we can, and they're the ones that deserve the attention. Mm-hmm. So, Yeah. Uh, you know, some people might get used to that. I've been doing this now since 2003 as far as the entertaining side of it, and I just never 
and to this day, I'll, I'll never get used to it. I'll never get used to the fact that somebody wants to literally come up, stand in line, and an autograph booth and want to meet you. It's just, it's crazy. It's just crazy. Yeah. But it's but it is wonderful, and we just embrace it and enjoy it, and uh, we're going to keep doing it as long as we can. And we're probably more redneck than what you think. <laughs> <laughs> I was say. Well, I have a saying. I have a saying about myself. You guys can feel free to use this. I'll sometimes I'll say, "Well, I'm an educated redneck." So that's what I'll say. Because people sometimes be like, "Well, you're not a redneck." I'll be like, "Yeah, I am." I was like, "I'm an educated redneck." So it's uh, yeah. just yeah, uh, guys. Thanks again so much for your time. Check them out, uh, Daniel Lee and Julie, uh, on Brotherhood Outdoors on the Sportsman's Channel. You can search up uh, uh, Jules's blog, her Instagram, her Facebook. Connect with these guys; they're great folks. Um, again, just thanks for being with us. Keep stressing that bow hunting. You know, sift through those applications, and uh, you know, if I know a couple buddies that are in the union, I'm going to tell them to send in dog ear their applications for you. I'll text their names to yeah. you. We'll get some, get some, get some bow, some bow on the field. That sounds good. That's we'll, a great idea. We'll, uh, we'll kind of <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> Seriously, it's a great idea, man. I mean, listen, uh, avid bow hunters. We that's such a people love to watch bow hunting. Yeah. So. Yeah, send it in, man. We'll, we'll do our best. Okay. Well, guys, you have a great day. Enjoy the ice down there in Nashville. And uh, <laughs> turkey season, you know, it's hard to believe. But turkey season and baseball season are coming. My gosh, it might be snowy and cold up here in Pennsylvania. But I know pitchers and catchers report in Florida this week. So that means spring <laughs> is coming. I know. Oh, give me goosebumps, man. <laughs> All right. Take care, guys. Thanks, Christian. Bye, Christian. Thanks for listening to Peterson's Bowhunting Radio, presented by Easton's new Ultra Micro Diameter Injection Arrows. For more information, pick up a copy of Peterson's Bowhunting Magazine on newsstands now.